Welcome to another episode of Compressed FM, a podcast all about web development and design with a little bit of zest. In this episode, we're going to talk about new beginnings with beginners, how to get started in web development, some resources that you might be interested in, some pitfalls to keep your eyes out for, and how to progress along the way. Hello, my name is Amy Dutton, and I'm a UI UX designer and front-end developer. And what's up, everyone? My name is James Quick, and I'm a JavaScript developer, speaker, and teacher. Web development and design, who would have guessed? Well, we can do them both, even at a little zest. So turn up the volume, get ready for the best. Let's get it started in this episode of Compress. Today, we are joined by three fabulous sponsors. Zeal is a software consultancy, and they are hiring. Tella is a video solution, and Vercel will meet all of your hosting needs. More from each of these later in the show. James, what have you been up to? We talked a lot about running recently and how we both need to be kind of aware of our bodies as we're looking to do more. I played basketball for the first time in a while on Monday, which now I've got the bug. I want to play more and more. And there's Monday night pickup at the JCC, the Jewish Community Center. We just signed up for our membership there. So I'll get to play more basketball. And then my wife and I are starting to play soccer Thursday and Friday. And then we're training for a half marathon. We have an eight mile run this weekend. So it'll be the longest that I've run the season. And it's supposed to be rainy. So it's probably not going to be a whole lot of fun, but I will feel accomplished. So all of that stuff is really picking up. I guess it's good because it's a little too cold to play golf. And that makes me sad. (laughs) (laughs) Are you guys not getting any snow? Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. We got a little bit of snow and ice Monday, Sunday. When was that? Mm -hmm. What, like a few hours before it came to you, I imagine. Yes. And it's supposed to snow tonight slash morning, but I think it's less than they thought it was originally going to be, which makes me sad. I heard at one point three inches and I was really looking forward to it, but I don't think it's going to be that much. Yeah. So they already called school off for tomorrow. Nice. We have nothing to show for it yet. (laughs) (laughs) So It could be great. It could be not, but. People who live in places where it actually snows are like, what? Why would they do that? Because we are not prepared to handle the snow in the South. It's awful. And people don't know how to drive in it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we'll see if it amounts to anything. Yeah. What else have you been up to? So we just hired two new UI UX front end developers, designers. Yeah. So we've been advertising on the show for a while and now we had two people just start. So it has been fantastic having a design department and I love it. So speaking of, Zeal is hiring, so you could work with me. In particular, we are hiring a senior UI UX designer and front-end developer. I'm pretty stoked about this position because you'll be on my team. We have some really fun initiatives planned for 2022, so you get to be a part of that. In general, our whole setup is pretty unique. They're a remote-first company even before the pandemic. They're based out of Southern Oregon, but I live outside of Nashville, and we have team members across the entire country. But Zeal holds a special place in my heart because, as I mentioned, I work there. But I can honestly say it's the best place that I've ever worked. So you can find more information on the website, codingzeal.com. And of course, I'll include a link in the description below. Special thanks to Zeal for employing me, but also being a Compressed FM sponsor. Oh, can I give another PSA? (laughs) Yeah. So I just want to point out that James and I were recording earlier Mm. in the season, and he pointed out that I've said the word a logarithm and algorithm wrong. And my coworker, Jason, so shout out to Jason, was binge listening to the podcast. And he asked me the other day, how do you pronounce this word? And I did not know until James pointed out to me that those two words are totally different. I thought it was just like potato, potato. And so (laughs) I was using them interchangeably. 
But there is a difference between algorithm and a logarithm. So public service announcement, <laughs> I've been in tech for 20 years and I didn't even know. <laughs> Isn't that funny? It's just a word and you get used to it and don't think about it and use it. And that's what you get used to. Yep. I think we're all kind of like that. There's so many buzzwords and things. And I bet if you ask most people, like the difference between algorithm and logarithm, I doubt many people could give you a very good definition. You're going to have to explain it. <laughs> yeah, I don't have a great answer other than logarithm is specifically dealing with exponents, basically like something to the something power. Oh, that makes sense. And then algorithm is very generic. It's like basically a way to solve a problem. Perfect. So nailed it. <laughs> now we've all learned something. Look how far we've come with this podcast. Oh, man. So what that reminds me of is starting from the beginning. Oh, what a nice transition. I know, right? <laughs> and we want to share all of our thoughts on what it's like to get started. And you'll hear me reference getting started with web development. I don't think this doesn't even need to specifically be web development, although that's what we'll be focused on primarily. But if you're looking to transition careers in general, if you're looking to do programming in general, it doesn't have to be JavaScript. It's not just HTML, CSS. It's not just front end. There's lots of things that can go into it. So we'll talk a little bit about that. We'll start, I think, with what our original learning process was like, and then our recommendations and resources and pitfalls and that kind of stuff. I'm actually really excited about this episode. I'm assuming there will be lots of new year, new me, people looking to make transitions and a career in tech, which I think is very exciting. It's never been more accessible than it is now with all the resources that we'll talk about in a minute. So if this is you, if this is something you're interested in, then hopefully you take a lot from this episode. So the first thing I had in my notes is what our learning process was like. And I'm kind of curious, I'm going to bypass for me, the college aspect of my learning process, because I would imagine most people listening now are probably not going to go and do a computer science degree and you'll have lots of resources and things that come along with that. So I'm thinking the people who are kind of out there in the world and don't know where to start type thing. So what was your learning process like outside of a college setting when you were on your own or exploring things? What was that like for you? Well, I'll answer that twofold. So I'll answer it when I actually did get started and then I'll answer it kind of how I handle something new now. So when I got started, books were a thing. <laughs> Books? What is books? They're these paper things with pages. And you have to carry them around and <laughs> yeah. they don't just fit inside your iPad? And here's something crazy. You could actually go to a store and that's all they had at the store <laughs> were books. <laughs> <laughs> what a world. I know, living what life on the edge. So yes, when I got started, I read books. I would make a mad dash at the bookstore to the computer section. And I started with Macromedia Flash, which is not even around anymore. Rest in peace. <laughs> But <laughs> I know. So it was a fun program. You could basically do animations. And I think it still exists maybe to some degree, but the purpose of it is completely different. I haven't looked at it for years. And Adobe bought it out. I liked it because I was really interested in the graphics and the animation side of it. But you could do a lot with its own scripting language. And that was called ActionScript. It was a bracketed language that actually looks a lot like JavaScript, uses a lot of the same language. And so I did learn a lot of concepts that way, like variables and arrays and things like that. And then from there moved into HTML and then CSS and then JavaScript and PHP. But now if I'm trying to learn something new, I'll probably watch a YouTube video or read an article or find a course creator, someone that I admire and trust to be able to tell me the right thing. Yeah. I love going back to the reference of 
books. And this actually was in my college days, but it was outside of school. So I was interested in learning about mobile app development. And there was a club and there was a guy that was really good at it. And he had done lots of mobile apps and he gave me a book. And so I do actually remember a world with books and following the Android tutorials to learn how to write Android apps. And one of my biggest pieces of advice for people is I just posted about this on Twitter is to make your learning process personal and fun for you. Because like I've sat through so many things in college where it's boring as hell and it's not relevant and I'm not interested. And what I did in this tutorial, I've talked about this before, is I was just bored of following what they were telling me to do. And I just decided I want to build this thing, this thing being a Harry Potter trivia app. And so I just had this idea and just Googled everything. I mean, like there was nothing good about the code, but it was a functional app at the end of the day and got shipped to the store. And that was actually my most successful thing that I've ever built in terms of users. So that was pretty cool. That was kind of a game changer for me of starting to realize the ability of like taking these skills that I'm learning and being able to use them for basically whatever I want. Like if I want to build a thing, I either have the skills or I have the ability to develop and learn those skills to go from there. And then I'll transition a little bit further in my career after I'd been working for Microsoft for three years and I was getting ready to leave Microsoft. I had basically never written JavaScript before. I'd basically done no web development before. And I took this course that I've talked about a lot on the podcast, the Web Developer Bootcamp by Colt Steele on YouTube. Udemy. Udemy gets mixed reviews, but you can find some awesome content for 10 bucks, 15 bucks when they go on sale. So I did this and I'd been really intimidated by JavaScript. I'd been intimidated by the JavaScript, not community because they're bad, but just it was like this big thing. I was always scared to just dive in and be a part of this brand new thing and have no idea what was going on. And I just fell in love. I went through this course and it was like immediately I felt like I had the power to build stuff. It reminded me of those mobile app learning experiences where you write some code and you can see it on your phone and interact with it. And so I really, really loved going through that course. And then my interest just drove me. I went from that was all JavaScript and Express backend and Mongo. And then I got into like WordPress for a while. I got into Ruby on Rails for a while. And then I circled back to the JavaScript ecosystem. And this was me just kind of bouncing around from different things that I found interesting and combining that with resources that I found online. Uh, again, we'll talk more about some of those that people can check out. So my learning experience at that point was just kind of this ping pong back and forth between things that I found really interesting. And I think that was helpful for me because it helped solidify in my mind that this should be fun. This should be something that is interesting for you. It should be something that you want to do. And rarely did I ever feel like I had to force myself to sit down and learn something. It was all driven by interest and passion and thinking, hey, this is a pivot in my career that I can really run with. Yeah, I've mentioned Ali Abdal before on the podcast. I really like the stuff that he puts out on YouTube. But one of the things that he talks about is he's known for being almost this productivity guru on YouTube. And he's like, if my friends that know me think that's hilarious because that's not true. And he's like, really, the only thing that I do is I try and gamify learning. Otherwise, I would procrastinate everything. I would put everything off. I'm not interested in stuff. I'm super lazy. He's like, if I can gamify that and turn it to something that I'm interested in, then I'm super productive. And he really makes a hard case for that. Even just talking to kids, a lot of times kids don't struggle with procrastination the same way that adults do because they turn stuff into a game. So I think that's exactly what you did. And the things that I've learned are far more fun and easier to learn when it is fun and it is a game. Absolutely. The difference in doing the stuff that I was interested in versus the stuff I was required to do in school is just astounding. And this is the same thing for reading books in English classes. Like most of the books that I was assigned 
in class didn't interest me. And I'm an avid reader. I love to read. But when you put me in something that I don't care about, it's hard to make me care about it. And it's hard to make me excited about it. And mm. this goes a whole bigger discussion that I have in my mind of the learning system. Mm. It's not an easy fix, but it's broken because it's not tailored enough to people's interest. And so you're forcing people to learn something that they don't care about and they don't understand why they should. And that doesn't work out a lot of the time, mm-hmm. but that's for a different day. So I think we both share that ability to find excitement in what we're doing, especially for people that are getting started. We shouldn't paint the picture of it's super easy. You just start this thing and you'll have so much fun. You're going to go through tons of hard times. I actually had an hour or so earlier today where something I've been working on just broke. I don't know why. And I didn't make any progress in figuring out why for literally like 50 minutes. And then the last 10 minutes turned into a really big learning opportunity for me. And that was valuable for me and my development going forward. So there are those little nuggets, but there are struggles. I think going back to something similar to what you said, consistency is very important. If you're going to give one day a week to learn, if you're going to give three hours a day, whatever it is, pick that and try to keep some consistency and kind of put that in your schedule and make that a part of your routine during the day. Yeah. There's plenty of stuff that I've learned and forgotten just because I don't have that consistency component. And it Mm -hmm. makes it so much harder to sit back down because I feel like I have to relearn all the stuff that I figured out at one point. Absolutely. That's one of the things I would like to do more personally is if I find myself coming across the same stumbling block or question multiple times, take the dedicated time to really learn that thing so I don't have to go back. Now, it doesn't work out that way that often, but occasionally I do kind of do a deeper dive and learn what I need to. So thinking back to us getting started relevant to where we are now and specifically maybe in web development, what sort of recommendations do you have in topics or categories of web development or programming for people that are getting started? Languages, front end, back end, any thoughts on which one of those categories or combination of them would be good for people getting started? Yeah, I think the same advice applies here is follow what's interesting to you. So if you think you're more interested in server side back-end logic and storing data and doing crazy logarithms (laughs) and all the things. (laughs) Then start with the back-end and that's totally fine. And it doesn't necessarily have to be JavaScript. You could go with Rails. I mean, there's plenty of other programming languages, Python, Java. There's tons of opportunities there, but follow what you're interested in. If you're more interested in the front-end, the things that people see and interact with, or you're more interested in (laughs) <laughs> there's not another option the back end well i guess yeah going back to the back end go back to the back end if that's not interesting to you. <laughs> the behind the scenes things yes then i guess you could specialize more in databases or devops or right. things like that so there are different categories of potential routes right the crossover episode that we did with Brittany and alex we talked about this broken comb which the idea that you work on your horizontal and you find the things that are interesting to you and then you can go deeper on a stronger vertical. So if you just want to get an overview of everything, get enough to figure out what you're interested in and then find something to specialize in. And I feel like that kind of follows the learning pattern that I went with. I was more interested on the front end. So I learned JavaScript and CSS. And then at that point, I wanted to make it dynamic. And so looking a little bit at JavaScript or figuring out, okay, how do we save data? What do we do with this? How do we create logins and things like that? And then kind of venturing into the back end with databases. So just follow what you're interested in. Absolutely. And you kind of reference this if maybe you don't know what you're interested in. And if people are listening and you're really beginners and you don't even know what a lot of the terms are that we've mentioned, what do you do? And the first thing I would say is pick something and just run with it. Mm-hmm. There's no need to over optimize the things that you're trying as you're figuring this stuff out. Get yourself a little bit of exposure for exactly the same reasons that you just mentioned and start to build that up from there. Yeah. 
I would even say, and I'm a little biased in this recommendation, so take it all with a grain of salt. Actually, take everything that we do with all the salt. All the salt. (laughs) All of it. But I would almost suggest looking at JavaScript first, because with JavaScript, you can do the front end and the back end. So you almost kill two birds with one stone, and that allows you to get a little bit of flavor for both of those. Yeah, that's my recommendation as well. So people that are getting started programming, a lot of what you'll hear, Python, JavaScript, I did Java as my first language. I think Python and JavaScript are a lot easier to get started with than Java and .NET and Ruby. People like Ruby being easy to use, but I think Python and JavaScript are pretty common. But I think if you look at opening up opportunities for yourself, to me, starting with HTML, CSS, and JavaScript, regardless of whether or not you actually want to do anything front end or whether you want to be in quote unquote web development, you get that interactivity piece of being able to see a result for what you create. Now, this maybe it doesn't have the impact for other people that it did for me, but working on those mobile apps and seeing it run on a phone, working on a website, seeing it run in a browser, that was so energizing for me to be able to see the result of the stuff that I had done. So if you start with HTML, CSS, and JavaScript, you have the core principles, the core fundamentals, the core foundations of web development as a whole. And then I always recommend people, whether or not you think you want to do front end or back end, or you're just not sure, learn both. Get exposure with both. Like you said, you can do front end and back end with JavaScript. And I think it will make you a better developer going forward. Because even if you never write any back end code, you'll have a better understanding of what goes on and vice versa. So I highly recommend people spending a little bit of time building a full stack application of some sort. It's basically the equivalent of the web developer bootcamp course that I've talked about so much. But give yourself that exposure and then you can get more and more opinionated. And that's what I did in my career was continue to bounce around as I found things that were interesting and applicable and then really went down this rabbit hole of I love JavaScript and I love everything that comes along with it and then get more and more specific. And now I can be more opinionated about where I go next because I've had that breadth of experience in the industry. And let's take a minute and talk about Vercel. Vercel will meet all of your hosting needs. We're actually hosting the compressed.fm site and my personal site, selfteach.me on Vercel. They also power more well-known sites like Twilio, but you can use them for e-commerce, travel, news, and marketing sites. You name it, they can host it. When I got ready to launch the compressed site, it was super easy. I pointed it to the GitHub repository and told it what folder my next.js project was in, and then it just worked. Ridiculous, right? But they also power over 30 plus Jamstack frameworks, including Create React App, Next, Nuxt, Vue, Ember, Svelte, Angular, Hugo, and Gatsby, just to name a few. But one of my favorite features is when you set up your account, you get your own dashboard, And here you can invite other team members to collaborate or view analytics. So as soon as I push the code to my GitHub repository, it deploys that code and I can watch the build in its entire process through their custom dashboard. So be sure to check out Vercel. I'll include a link in the show notes, but special thanks to Vercel for being a Compressed.fm sponsor. So we've talked about our recommendations for people of what you might be interested in learning, what we would recommend. And then the problem or the opportunity is... Where do you get started with that? What are some good resources for people to follow along? I mentioned, again, that course on Udemy Web Developer Bootcamp. I'll reference it over and over again. But Amy, what are some different resources that you recommend for people as they're looking to get started? Yeah, I think some of it has to do with how do you learn best. So if you learn best by self-learning and picking your own pace and reading, you want to see those words, then there are several great resources online, Free CodeCamp. And we'll include a link to this in the show notes, but they have a fantastic website. They also have quite a library of videos too, right? 
Yeah, free Code Camp. We can get into a YouTube channel that we would recommend. They've got over a million followers. I think Bo Carnes is one of the people who really took that YouTube channel to the next level. And they've had lots of guest creators on there. I've done a guest video on their channel. Their platform website, in addition to their YouTube mm-hmm. channel, is 100% just amazing resources. And I think probably the most common de facto place for people to get started. And I've stumbled upon their stuff when I'm Googling something just for reference and found their stuff to be very helpful. Our friend, I mentioned Alex and Brittany earlier, but Brittany taught herself how to code on free cocaine. So it's definitely another plug for it. We just mentioned Brittany and I looked down and I had a response from her on Twitter and I asked about advice people have for people looking to get started. And she referenced the Learn, Build, Teach community. So she shouted out the concept of Learn, Build, Teach. Spend time learning things, use what you learn to build stuff, and then teach other people how to do it too. Yeah. And I've actually heard her talk about her learning experience and she's learned a lot more recently than I have. And so I will share what I heard her say she was talking about the value of Discord communities as you were talking about the Learn, Build, Teach Discord community. So for people that don't know, James runs or created a Discord community called Learn, Build, Teach. You can go to learnbuildteach.com and it has a link to the Discord community that you can join. But there's a group of developers in there that will help answer your questions. And it's fantastic if you're just getting started. If you're run into an error message, you don't know how to handle it, or you want somebody to look at your code and say, am I even doing this right? They're incredibly helpful. They've answered questions that I have too. So that's a great community. Jason Linksdorf has another great Discord community. So that's another great community. Level Up Tutorials has a great community. Colby Fayok, which we'll mention him later. He has a community called Space Jelly. Um, Again, we'll reference all of these within the show notes. So if you're trying to surround yourself with other developers and just get in on the conversation, that's a great place to start. Yeah, absolutely. Another one that has kind of come out of nowhere, I think, is Scrimba. Scrimba is an online learning platform that's interactive. As you watch the video, you can kind of scrub along with the code too, which is really cool. I've done a couple of mini courses on the Scrimba platform. I feel like it's just hard to believe how successful they've been in just a couple of years and how many people I've seen go through their content and how many stories they have of people going through their content and finding their first job in tech. It's an amazing resource. They also have a Discord community that is very active. So I definitely recommend them as well. On the YouTube front, this is cool for me because I'll shout out some people that all are, I consider friends. Most, I don't think any of them I've ever actually met in person, but these are people that I've gotten to network with and talk about content and kind of look up to them and I think look up to each other kind of thing. But Travis Media, he's been like the leader in web development YouTube videos for years now. When I was going through the really early on learning in web development, it was just everything he published. I watched it that day. I watched it at lunch when I was at FedEx. Like I vividly remember sitting at my desk, eating a sandwich, watching his videos at lunch on a pretty consistent basis. Anya Kubo, this is, I'm not jealous at all, but Anya and I crossed 100,000 subscribers at a similar time and she just crossed 200,000 subscribers. I don't know if you saw that. She has created just like absolutely fantastic content on really building games with JavaScript has been her core thing. And that I think is so cool because it's such a twist, right? Like it turns it into something that's not just all right, write the code and create the variable. It's okay, you're doing this so that you can build this experience and it's something that you can actually play and interact with. So I've always loved her content for that. She also has an eight-hour bootcamp Mm -hmm. video on her channel. I'll include a specific link to that, but I think that would be neat to check out. And you have also interviewed her on your Learning Quick live stream. 
So we can in- include that as well. And teaser, we want to have Anya come on to the podcast. I have not gotten a response from her yet. I did message her. So if anybody's listening and wants to hear Anya on the podcast, send her a message and tell her how much fun it would be. So hopefully she'll come on sometime soon. Another one that we've mentioned reaching out to is Jessica, the Coder Coder mm-hmm. channel on YouTube. And she had, I remember before I had any video like really, really go viral, watching her channel explode from one of her videos, which I think it was like vanilla HTML, CSS and JavaScript crash course type thing. And the video just took off and her YouTube channel went from there. She's doing full-time content, which is people that were working and doing content. And then to make it to do full-time, it's like, oh yeah, it's so cool. Her stuff is really engaging to watch. I guess her mm-hmm. husband does animation. So editing. And, yeah, yeah, it's really entertaining. So definitely check out her stuff, even if it's for the entertainment value, not necessarily the content, but the content mm-hmm. is good too. Yes, absolutely. Web Dev Simplified. I reached out to him early on for some advice and he's been really helpful Colby Fayok, which you mentioned briefly, I watch like almost every video that he comes out with. They seem to just be like spot on with relevant things that I'm interested in learning. And then Jesse from the CodeStacker channel is really amazing too. So there's so many amazing channels out there. It's really incredible the amount of content you can get for free from YouTube. So find someone, regardless if it's any of those people, find someone that you enjoy, their voice, their teaching style, and kind of stick with them. And I'm sure you can learn a lot for free. Yeah, for sure. It's also a good opportunity to get familiar with these content creators to find a style of learning and explanation that works for you because a lot of them do have courses. Like I know Colby wrapped up a headless WordPress course recently with Scott that I've been interested in perusing. Yeah, and that's Scott Talinsky of Level Up Tutorials. So leveluptuts.com. West Boss has been, I think we both mm-hmm. probably share this, one of the biggest names in course creation or course creators. So I've taken almost all the ones that he's done. My friend Chris Sev at better.dev has some really amazing courses as well. So there's tons of course and content creators out there. Again, go and see what they have and listen to some of their free stuff. And if you resonate with it, if it's topics that you're interested in, then maybe you invest in some of their paid content. You know what you left off though? You left off your courses and your YouTube channel. So they are both quite good and informative. And vice versa. Thank you. I've learned stuff from your YouTube videos, (laughs) believe it or not. And vice versa. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's the benefit, again, of there being so many people with different voices and different topics, right? Like, I think we all have things to learn from each other. And speaking of voices, podcasts is another Great way to stay engaged and to learn a few that I'll mention JavaScript Jabber and Syntax and CodePen Radio and Shop Talk and Code Newbie Podcast. We had Perfect.dev as a crossover guest. We've had WebDev Weekly mm-hmm. as a crossover episode here as well. So tons of different podcasts. Again, free content. Listen while you drive or go to the grocery store or wherever and just kind of soak in all the knowledge. Yep. And if this is your first time listening to the Compressed FM podcast, welcome, one. But two... Episodes two and three, if you go way back in the archives, are mine and James' origin story. So you can also hear how we got started in our journey in developing. Mm-hmm. So that might make things interesting just to know how we got started way back when. So long ago. So long We're ago. So I am. <laughs> I'm getting older. <laughs> I just commented on a tweet earlier that I've never written a check before. Are you which serious? Which is mind-blowing. Uh, for, yep, see, that's for everybody listening, I am older than James. <laughs> <laughs> they just. <laughs> rubbed it in my face a little bit not by much 
Just a little, a few years. <laughs> <laughs> so we talked about tons of good resources. I think one of the things that people struggle with, though, is how do you prioritize that? Like, how do you know what's valuable? How do you know what's, quote unquote, the right path to go down? Which short answer is there's not one path. But what advice do you have for people to help them prioritize out of all the things that they could do, that they could learn? How do you prioritize that? So one thing that you can do if your end goal is to get a job in tech is to really look at the job market. I've gone to Google Trends before to see how many people are searching for React versus Vue versus Svelte to get an idea of what direction those markets are headed to know where I should invest my time in each of those. So that's been really helpful. Stack Overflow will also give you an overview of the size of the community and the number of questions that people are asking around a specific topic. So if you're trying to find a job, sometimes it's easier to find something that's popular that you know is going to be around for a while. So in the JavaScript ecosystem right now, that's React. But I would even go out on a limb to say Svelte is creeping up. I don't know they'll necessarily take over the React ecosystem, but for an indie developer, Svelte might be the thing. I think that's a great place to start. I think we can kind of talk about the excitement of learning and hopefully it's something that you enjoy. Probably at the end of the day, though, people are seriously looking for jobs. If you're not, that's totally fine, too. But if your goal is to get a job in tech, then you ought to prioritize around that. And I was just listening to a Twitter space right before we got on. Tech Rally was the host. He's on Twitter and TikTok and YouTube. So go and check him out. Was asking the question to the audience about how to prioritize. And Danny Thompson who is on Twitter and YouTube and TikTok and all the places, go and follow him. He's local and a friend of mine that I know pretty well. He started to talk about how to do exactly what you just did, like look at the job market. And there's lots of remote opportunities, but specifically look at the job market in your area. And he said to be cautious of taking advice for people on what to learn from people who are not in your job market. Because in Chicago, for example, random city, they may do a lot of Python development. That may just be something they do a lot of. But here in Memphis, .NET and Java are really, really big. So if I spent the majority of my time learning Python, I may not be as ready for opportunities or as relevant for opportunities here in Memphis, which is where I would probably be looking. So I think you should always do that research specific to your area. I think when you're looking at like, what do I do next or what topic would be good to learn? Reach out to a mentor and ask. And I want to almost do air quotes for mentor because very rarely in tech do you formally have a mentor. Like I look at, I have lots of mentors. I have people that do certain things well that I want to do better at, or they do things that I would like to be able to do. And those are my mentors. I pay attention to what they do. I pay attention to what they tweet and what content they share and all those things. So this is not, you don't have to wait around and formally have a mentor, but if you have something that has the job that you want, or if you have somebody that creates content, like you want to create content, send them a message. I did that with West Boss early on when I was getting back into content and I had a phone call with him. And that was really impactful for me because like I looked up to him at that point and got advice from him on creating content. So now thinking back to like, where do I prioritize? Go and ask people, mm -hmm. find someone you trust local in your community online on Twitter or discord or wherever it is and start that conversation with them to see what recommendations they might have based on what your interests and goals are at the end of the day. I'm so glad you said it that way because I have tons of mentors that don't even probably know that they're my mentor just because I admire what they say. And I've had a few people reach out to me on Twitter and say, will you mentor me? And yes. I don't mean to be ugly because I do want to help you, but I don't have time to say, mm -hmm. create a program for you or curriculum. But if you message me and ask me a question, oh, I can answer your questions all day. More than happy yeah. to. 
But if you ask me if I'll be your mentor, the answer is probably going to be no. And it's not because I don't like you. It's just that's not as concrete as a question. Whereas if you ask me questions, I'm happy to answer them. Yeah, that's a very relevant piece of advice for people. There's no way for us to answer that question of can you be my mentor? It's an impossible question. I don't really know what it means. Like, (laughs) Yeah. And if you have a specific question, ask that and just start with it. One of the other things that myself and I think a lot of other people struggle with is getting messages that start with, hey, or how are you? (laughs) I don't know how to answer that. I usually don't, to be honest, because I get a decent amount of messages and I have to prioritize somehow. Mm -hmm. And so if it doesn't lead with anything, I don't want to have the back and forth of like, hi, how are you? What do you want? (laughs) Right, right. Well, and I don't know if it's spam either. Whereas if Mm, it might seem direct, but please, if you have a question, just ask me your question right away. I'm more than happy to answer it. Yeah. And the other aspect of that is you might ask and you may never hear anything back. I certainly can't answer all the questions that I get. I wish that I could, just like you said, Amy, Mm -hmm. I wish I had time to give to everyone, but sometimes I don't. So don't be hurt if people don't respond either. Go and ask someone else. There's tons of people out there, all the resources we've talked about, just ask away. And I know a lot of people too, that would prefer if you ask a question to just say, tag them on Twitter and do it in a Mm -hmm. public forum. That way the answer that they give you can be seen by multiple people and Lots of people can benefit from those answers, whereas if they feel like they're having to answer the same exact question multiple times Mm -hmm. in a DM, it's much easier if it's in a public forum. Agreed. And then other people can chime in. That's the other benefit. Exactly. Yep. I give that advice a lot on Discord because I get private messages there and almost every time it's not a question that I need to answer specifically. It's a question that I could answer. I usually recommend, hey, can you go inside of Discord into the Q&A channel, ask that question so that you can get other responses. And it's not just solely my responsibility to help answer that. Mm -hmm. And then other people get the benefit of the answers as well. A couple of other pieces of advice for prioritizing. I think we've all struggled with this. You have 15 courses on Udemy. I think we talked about that in a recent episode or a conversation we have. You've got a course that you bought from someone else. You've got YouTube videos lined up. You've got all these technologies that you want to learn. Pick one thing and stick with it as much as you can. And you may go halfway through a course and decide I'm not getting the value out of it I want. And go ahead and reevaluate and pivot at that point. That's totally fine. But if you try to bounce around too often and you go back and forth between different topics too often, I think you're going to kind of sacrifice that learning experience in the given area. So I think it's better to pick one topic, pick one course, pick one book, whatever you're going through, work through that thing to its completion, and then move on to the next just to keep your focus and not get too distracted as you're working through it. So we talked about a lot of different resources. One that we haven't mentioned, which is kind of a hot topic, a big one is boot camps. Boot camps are becoming more and more popular. You hear people getting jobs coming out of a boot camp every single day, which is really amazing. Do you have any general thoughts about boot camps? Is that an opportunity people that are looking to transition into tech? Is that something they should be looking into? Yeah, for sure. So at the top of the episode, I mentioned trying to figure out how you learn best. And I mentioned books just because I deferred to books, but some people don't really like that self-learning. They don't feel like they have the self-discipline to do it themselves. They'd rather have this built-in support community. And so a boot camp might be a great option for you especially if you have the time and the cash on hand to be able to do something like that. So I would definitely recommend it. At Zeal, we partner with a boot camp in San Diego called Learn Academy, and it's fantastic. We work with them as mentors, hey, to help their students along and provide internships and opportunities and real world code. And we give tech talks and all kinds of things. So we have a great relationship with them. 
So it d- just kind of depends. James, I know you've even taught at a boot camp. Yeah, I will be the first to say I think boot camps can be an absolute game changer mm-hmm. in in the career transition. I think they can also be not so good. So I think one of the things that people need to do is do your research, reach out to previous graduates, see how they're doing, see what the job search has been like, see how the instructor was, if you can find any feedback on the instructor and, and how they were. Hopefully my former students are giving glowing reviews from going through the boot camp with me. Just do your research. The other thing to look at is what's the cost of a boot camp. The really cool thing about the two that I taught through Launch Code is that the programs themselves are funded by like the groups in the city that want to help promote tech in the city. Uh, so they become free for the students. So that was two nights a week for three hours a piece after work. Oh, that's awesome. So people could still work their full time job uh, and then they didn't have to pay any money. And to be a part of that impact for people without having to take them away from their full-time jobs, them still being able to provide with families, if that's the case, was really, really a pretty amazing experience for me. So boot camps, definitely worth looking at. I think even if you are kind of a self-motivated person, there's this law of diminishing returns. If you got a problem and you're stuck on it and you spend 30 minutes really researching and trying to figure it out, maybe 45 if you're feeling really into it, that's almost as much as you want to spend. After that, it's almost wasting your time. Like There's not a specific amount of minutes, but at a certain point, Sometimes you just need that help from someone else that can help answer that question directly. So with a boot camp, you definitely get that formal support system. You get that formal structure for your learning journey. Again, we talked about how do you prioritize? How do you know what's next? Well, boot camp will provide that structure. So look into the details. How much does it cost? Is it free? What are the hours? Do you have to give up your full-time job? What do they teach? What are the reviews look like? What are the reviews of the instructor? Do all your research, but there's definitely huge opportunities with boot camps to be able to make those jumps in your career. I'd also look into their alumni to see how many of their alumni have gotten jobs. Is there career guidance? Do they have partnerships Mm -hmm. with companies and things like that? Because I've also heard horror stories of people that will spend tons of time and money going through boot camps and then not be able to get a job on the other side of it. So you also want to see how they'll help you with your career development, but also it doesn't abdicate you from being a self-learner and being a go-getter and doing all those things. So for example, one of the guys that we ended up hiring out of the boot camp, one of the reasons we hired him was because they were working on a group project and then their stint was done, but he took it upon himself to go in and finish the project even after his formal work with us was done. And that spoke so highly to the partners at Zeal that they ended up hiring him full time because they recognized his work ethic and what he was willing to do to learn and get that project over the finish line totally on his own ambition. It's not to say you have to do that or that we were looking for free work, but I think those are qualities that an employer is going to look for in their in the people that they hire. We haven't specifically addressed this, but we've been talking about different forms of community. And we've talked about this a lot in the podcast in general, just the impact that community can have. And if you go through a boot camp, your immediate community is your cohort, the people that you're going through the boot camp with and your instructors and TAs and stuff. And that support system is just a game changer. Biggest piece of advice in that scenario and any of the ones we've talked about is continue to ask questions. Just ask. We're all nervous to ask them. We all feel like we should know the answer and we don't. We feel bad. Just ask. That feeling's never really going to go away. But there's lots of additional places that you can be active and invest. You mentioned Discord being one. Lots of different Discord servers out there that are really great. There's Slack communities, being active on Twitter, listening to Twitter spaces. There's meetups in person or virtual. 
And then part of that that we've already touched on a little bit again is is finding mentors in those areas. Find the people who do what you want to do, who have the job that you want to have, who show up in community the way that you want to show up and follow those people and the things that they do and ask questions if you have them. The last part of that, I think, is when it gets hard, lean on your network, on your community. Lean on those people that have been through it. Lean on those people that are going through it with you. Don't be afraid to reach out. I think the one mistake that I see people make the most is isolating themselves and thinking they're the only ones that are going through it. This is maybe going to sound really rude, but one thing I've said to my wife recently, this is not something I won't encourage most people to say this in most scenarios, but my wife was really struggling with she was doing some learning programming and was like really upset that she didn't get it. And I was like, Jess, you're not special. (laughs) (laughs) The point was that this is completely expected. This is exactly what everyone else goes through. Everybody feels really bad and they feel like they should know it. And they're like, why don't I understand this? That's just how it is. It's a really hard thing to do. And if you have that community, if you have those people around you, if you have that network that you can lean on and ask questions and get support from, it's going to go a really long way because it can be a very tough journey. And you need people around you that you can depend on when you have questions and just need somebody to talk to. I was trying to see if I could find the meme If I find it, I'll include it in the compressed newsletter. There's a meme that has a graph that's kind of like that, where just as somebody's morale, where it peaks and it's like, oh, I'm so awesome. Mm -hmm. I understand code. And then you're like, I know nothing. What is my life? And then you finally come out on the other side. We have been there many a time. Nobody's excused from that process. We'll wrap up here in a second with a section on what does job search look like? Again, assuming that that's probably the outcome that people are looking for at the end of the day. But one of the things to focus on before then is how do you go beyond the tutorials? I think one of the problems with having so many resources is it's easy to just follow the resources as is. Just copy the code that they're writing and think that you understand everything. And as an instructor, as a teacher, as a content creator, probably the number one thing I see is when people are tasked with creating or starting something on their own, they have no idea how to start because they've never started. They've never done it on their own. They just followed tutorials. So you just have to force yourself to kind of practice that. Amy, do you have any tips for how after you've gone through a tutorial or why you're going through a tutorial, how do you internalize the things that you're learning? Any tips for kind of going beyond the tutorials? So a lot of times I'll try and apply that tutorial to my own project. So if it's something that I'm trying to do anyways, then I find a way to try and duplicate that, not copying and pasting, but if I can duplicate Mm -hmm. that effort and I understand exactly what I'm doing why I'm creating this variable, why I'm creating this function, then it internalizes that particular thing for me. Another thing that I'll do is I might write about it. If I'm writing about it and trying to explain it to you or create a video, that means that I have to understand it in order to explain it to you. And I've learned tons of things in creating YouTube videos because I thought I understand a concept, but then when I had to turn around and explain it, it's a whole lot more difficult. You have to really understand it in order for that to happen. Yeah, that's why learn, build, teach is so important to me is that teaching aspect is selfish also because it's like reteaching yourself Mm -hmm. or reinforcing the things that you thought you understood. And if you're wanting to teach people through video, you should check out one of our sponsors, Tella. Tella is a browser-based screen recorder that allows you to make videos and showcase that work and your knowledge. Don't let the tools be a hindrance for you and what you're trying to accomplish. 
And really, that's what's so great about Tele. You can record your screen, camera, and present slides. You can customize your videos with backgrounds, layouts, and other video clips. And then when you're done, you can just share those videos instantly. So be sure to check out tele.tv slash compressed. That way, our friends at Tele will know that we sent you. And I'll throw this out there too. If you learn something new and make a video about it using Tele, share it on Twitter, tag me, and I'll be happy to retweet it. Thanks again to Tele for being a compressed FM sponsor. Another piece of that is not only integrating tutorial content into something that you're already working on, but also take the tutorial and do more. And a good example of this is I've got a popular series on YouTube, build a quiz app with HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. And all the time I get these questions of, how do I show the real answer if someone answers incorrectly? How do I save scores to a database? How do I have user submitted questions? These are perfect opportunities to go beyond the tutorial and ensure like ask questions to figure out how to get to that point. But those are perfect opportunities to prove out that you understood what you've already been doing and you're pushed to learn more and you're excited to learn more. And that's the kind of stuff that really shows up in interviews and on your portfolio as well. I can tell you I've been through enough tutorial content that as I do interviews, I've recognized people have tutorials that are straight up from the original tutorial. And I think the thing you have to be able to do is say I went through this tutorial and then I added these things. And that goes a long way. And that's similar to what you talked about in that interview process of you being able to take those next couple of steps on your own is a game changer. The other aspect of it is maybe, Amy, you mentioned incorporating something into your own project. If you don't already have a project ongoing that you can, start a new one, build another thing. There's infinite amount of CRUD, create, read, update, and delete applications that you can build. I've literally got a list and every day it grows of relatively simple app ideas. So there's never a shortage of ideas in there. You could also purchase Advent of CSS and Advent of (laughs) JavaScript. So yes. that is 24 projects that James and I did over the holidays, but it is not going anywhere. And if you're looking for 24 projects, smaller projects, then that might be a great place to start because that gives you exposure to CSS and JavaScript. Yep. And can help spark those ideas mm-hmm. for what to build. Another small recommendation I have for as you're going through tutorials, if the tutorial is about books, make your version about CDs or like whatever it is, just change the variable names because then you have to be much more intentional when you write out variable names so that you're not just copying what is in the tutorial. It really makes you think about what you're doing. I'm so glad we're referencing antiquated media, books and CDs. (laughs) And CDs, yeah. (laughs) An MP3. Um, (laughs) Yes. An MP3 player. MP3 players back in the day, (laughs) yes. We're just, we're living in the 90s and early 2000s, I think. All right. Last section. What does the job search look like? I think probably the biggest thing that I would want to get across to people is setting realistic expectations. I have people that go through my boot camp that I've taught and some people find a job while they're in the boot camp, although it doesn't happen very often. Some people find a job within the month or two after we finish. And that's some people. A lot of people find a job three to six months or a year later, and that's continuing to sharpen their skills, continue to build stuff, continue to learn, continue to network, all the things we've already talked about having to continue to do that. So if you're one of those people that you're looking to make this transition and you think you're going to you know, watch a couple of YouTube videos and in a month you'll be ready for a job, it's just not quite what it is. It doesn't make the journey any less amazing and it doesn't make the transition at the end of the day any less amazing. But set reasonable expectations for yourself that you might have to work like really hard for several months and maybe a year before you finally find that opportunity. 
But it really is a game changer if you're able to make that transition and get that first role, then the opportunities are endless after that. I would say when you're in that time in between, say it's a year, go ahead and do freelance work because you can Mm -hmm. kind of get paid maybe for what you're doing, but it's going to give you experience and it's going to build up your portfolio. I just thought of a great example of that as well. Something that I've had the need for myself, my Learn VS Code course on Udemy had people comment asking if it was supported anymore because I hadn't been answering questions, which is not a great look. So I've now worked with someone to help monitor the Q&A in that course, which I am very excited about because I want people to have a very positive experience with the course content that I put out. So the opportunity there is if you go through a course that you really enjoy, reach out to the course creator and say, hey, I'd like to be a mentor or answer questions or something for your course. Maybe it's a paid opportunity. Maybe it's not. But that's a great relationship and great experience for you and great visibility for you. So there's a neat opportunity as much as we've talked about this tutorial content after you get done. Now be that mentor. A lot of people that go through the boot camps that I've taught after going through the next time around, now they're mentors. And that's so cool to see this like cycle of passing down and handing off knowledge from developer to developer. And that goes back to what you're talking about with the learn, build, teach as they turn around and explain it to somebody else. It just Mm -hmm. solidifies it even further. Yep. We mentioned getting in tune with your local job market. Really important to be aware of what the opportunities there. And part of that I think is to invest in recruiters. Now I have lots of mixed emotions about recruiters. And I think a lot of them are really just not good at their job, to be quite honest. And the way they do their job, I think a prime example of exactly how recruiting should be done is my friend Taylor Dessen on Twitter and TikTok and YouTube and all the places. He's just one of those people that has invested in the community. He's invested in developers. He does a live show every morning. He has this text thing that sends out every morning if you sign up for it. He wants to understand developers at a level that most people don't. Most people send you these ridiculous emails for, hey, here's this job opportunity for a thing that you've never done for way less money than you make now. And it's like, how do you have a job doing this? It can be so bad. But if you find recruiters and you give recruiters an opportunity, find the ones that are really invested in you, that are invested in the community, and that will pay huge dividends in the end because their connections and their visibility into the job market can be incredibly useful. I still love your story about the recruiter that contacted you and said, I love your work that you've done in AI. <laughs> and you're like, yeah. really? Show me. I'd love to see it. Well, yeah, they said something like that. And I was like, that's funny that you think I'd be qualified for this, considering I've never done that before <laughs> yes. in my entire life. And it, I feel like you end up burning more bridges than opportunities to bring people on. Mm-hmm. And I don't get it. So recruiting can be a mess. It can be amazing if you find the right people or right company to work yeah. for you. All right. So that's all the knowledge I think we have for people that are getting started. All of them (laughs) out. That's it. But if we miss something that you may have questions on, feel free to tag us individually or with the compressed FM handle. We'd love to continue the conversation. And one of the ways we'll do that is typically we have our grab bag questions section where we take questions from friends and strangers alike. But this time around, I'm more posted for feedback from the community. So I asked, what are people's number one pieces of advice for people that are getting started. So I'm going to read a few of those from Twitter and Amy, maybe we can include a link to the tweet for people to go back and read all of them too. And the newsletter, let's see from Lucia. Lucia says that everybody Google stuff, everybody encounters bugs that they can't beat themselves and need a team to resolve. We didn't mention this. Google is your best friend or whatever search engine you want to use. We do this constantly. I've posted on Twitter a few times about 
looking up basic functions or functionality in JavaScript that I just don't remember how they work. And I Google it every single day. And that's just a part of being a developer. Yeah. You don't have to memorize properties. Mm-hmm. The ones that you use the most, you'll naturally remember. Yep. Everything else can be Google. Absolutely. Yep. Robert Tables or Robertables on Twitter says, you will never stop developing your skills, your character, your assumptions about what's true. Hell, it's in the title, developer. I think that's really cool that he kind of brought that full circle. But I think that is the epitome, especially um, in tech, is things are constantly changing. So one thing to consider is, do you enjoy learning? Do you want to stay up to date as things change? And I think it's part of the thing you kind of have to do. So I'm glad that he was able to bring that up and then tie it back to the title of developer. Eden says, figure out what approach works for you. He mentioned being stuck on YouTube and then found his way to free code camp. Again, resources that we've mentioned. And Amy, you mentioned this too. Are you a reader? Are you a visual learner with YouTube? One of the reasons I love video content so much is I can put it on two times speed and I can breeze through it. And then I can go and pause exactly where I need to at any point if I do need to stop. So that's one of the reasons that I love video content so much. I mentioned earlier that I saw a tweet come through from Brittany Postma. So another shout out for Brittany. She mentioned learn, build, teach. That's it. I mean, I think that is 100% spot on. We talk about this a lot. Drew on Twitter says, be consistent in whatever way works for you. And I kind of selfishly quoted him earlier. If it's three hours a week, do that. If it's one day a week, do that. If it's one hour a day, do that. Whatever it is, try to stay consistent. And the last one I'll bring up is from Kyla Gregory, who says, stay diligent. No one can make you study and learn. You have to mentally prepare yourself to make that happen. And I think that just comes with one, making it fun for yourself, making it interesting, and then also buying in and keeping that consistency. If you really have a goal at the end of the day, figure out how to get there and do the things that you need to. Hopefully some of the advice that we've given will help to get to whatever that ultimate goal is. So thank you all for commenting on that tweet. I think that was a fun thread for me to read through personally. Mm -hmm. And the last section that we will do is our picks and plug section where we pick something that we enjoy that we want to share with you and then plug something that we think is good that we created that we want to share with you. (laughs) Amy, do you have picks and plugs? I do. This is going to be kind of on theme, but not really. So my pick is going to be a game called Code Dames. So code, learning code, it's a game, but actually it has nothing to do with programming. So I've played the regular game Code Names, but over Christmas we bought the Disney version of Code Names. So that was super fun. It has pictures. My kids actually really enjoyed it. But you have two teams and on your team you have a clue giver and they will look at say a grid of 25 cards, so five by five, and they'll try and tell you of the cards that are designated for your team and the other team will have their own cards. You're trying to help them figure out which ones are your teams and they can ignore the other teams, but you'll give a clue based on those 25 cards. So we've had a lot of fun with that game. It's pretty simple, but it's very challenging when you're trying to think of all these different code names and get your team to guess, but we've really enjoyed that. For my plug, I'm going to plug Everything Svelte. And this is a course that James and I have been working on together. Super excited about this. But the cool thing about Everything Svelte is it checks so many of the boxes that we've talked about in today's episode. You have your own project that you are developing. It will give you a taste of front-end and back-end development. We're starting from scratch. So you'll see how to actually start a project. And then one of the things that I feel like makes our stuff a little bit unique is that 
you have the option of extending the project. So we have design files included with ideas for how you can take the things that you've learned within the project and extend it and make it so much better in that you're adding more features and you're solidifying the knowledge that you learn during the course. So I'm pretty excited about Everything's Felt. You can go ahead and check it out now. If you go to everythingsfelt.com, there's a landing page there. You can not give us money yet, but you can enter your email address and we'll keep you up to date as we post updates for the course. And then once we finally release it, you will be the first to know. Love it. James, what about you? Picks and plugs. Yeah. My pick is something I haven't gotten yet, but I think we'll be here tomorrow and I'll get to try out. It's an adjustable laptop stand. So we have a little kind of long skinny table behind our couch in the living room. And oftentimes I'll find myself in there and I want to watch TV and maybe work on the Everything's Felt demo project, whatever it is I'm working on. But I want to do that. And it's not really comfortable to sit there. It just doesn't work very well. And I would rather stand. So I bought an adjustable laptop stand. Should be in the next couple of days. So I will review it maybe in the next episode. I think it's $65, so you can definitely get cheaper ones, but I got a little bit nicer one just based on the reviews and the look of it and the quality based on what it looks like in the picture. So I'm excited to try that out and hopefully be even more productive in the living room while I am watching TV. And I was getting ready to plug my YouTube channel, so I had my YouTube channel pulled open and then it auto-played the first video and it freaked me out because I was like, where's this audio coming from? (laughs) Why am I talking to myself? But I'll plug a specific video. This was building a dynamic course landing page with Next.js, Tailwind, and Dato CMS. So this is one of our sponsors in Dato CMS. And this is the ability to use these custom components that you define inside of Dato CMS, pull them down with GraphQL inside of Next.js, and then render and display them and style them with Tailwind CSS. So we actually make kind of a clone of one of the courses from Chris Sev at better.dev that we've already mentioned in this episode. So I had a lot of fun working with that one. It's a pretty in-depth video. So I think there's a lot to learn from that one. If people are interested, go and check it out on my YouTube channel. All right. So that is all of the advice that we have on all the things, except we'll be back in our next episode to talk about what it can look like to work on an actual dev team. So if you're looking to make that transition, or if you're already on a dev team, we'll have some insights about what it's like, some things you can consider and look for and ask questions about and all that kind of stuff. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, make sure to leave a rating and review and tell us how much you did and share with us on Twitter if you have any additional questions or things you'd like to see us cover in the new year. In the meantime, that's all we got.